Blog Talk Radio. I own it, I did that, not proud that that was me, and when I face it, I take back a little dignity, not looking for excuses, I just want to be Welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. My name is Jean. I'm your host. I write a blog called Unpickled, and I tell my story about quitting alcohol and changing my life uh, through my blog. And it's been five years, and a lot has happened, and there's still a lot yet to come. I tell my story there. I invite you to share your stories here. And on the show this time around is a wonderful lady that I met at a yoga retreat. Her name is Kirsten. And um, she just, I just found her to be such an enigma. One moment she'd be laughing hysterically and we'd all be laughing with her. And then 30 seconds later, uh, she would be able to tell a story with just so much emotion that she'd have us all in tears. Um, She's super well-read, interesting, just a really neat lady. And I invited her to be on the show. Now, for a girl myself who has a lot of anxiety and stress, I got to tell you that sometimes running the bubble hour gives me heart palpitations because things don't always go as planned. And um, getting Kirsten on the phone is one of those things. So I had a little trouble recording this the first time around. So this is kind of a do-over. And um, we're going to call Kirsten right now. I'm just putting her phone number in and we'll get her back on the line and we're going to start our show over again. So you're getting to hear the second uh, attempt at this. Hear how calm I am? You should be impressed. Hi, Jean. Hi, Kirsten. So sorry about all the confusion. I would. I'd already opened the show before I brought you on, and I was just saying how, oh my gosh, total heart palpitations whenever there's technical issues. Um, <laughs> no, we're more than capable of dealing with these things, but I'm not going to lie; it does give me a few gray hairs every time it happens. <laughs> so, th- thank you for agreeing to be on the show. I really appreciate it because I just found that you know when I met you, I felt like you had such a great ability. To first of all, share very, very openly about you know difficult things that a lot of us have a hard time talking about, and um, I really appreciated your ability to articulate things. But I also really found you to be a person who wears her emotions, you know, very close to the surface, and um, and that's refreshing in a lot of ways. Not in that I mean you you also control them very well, but you're not afraid to be really real and. Um, I don't know if that was specific to, you know, that sort of recovery space or if you're like that throughout your life, but I really love that about you. So I'm glad that you're here. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. And honestly, um, the ability to wear my emotions on my sleeve, it's um, a blessing and a curse altogether because, um, you know, I've been told I'm a mess by people. I've been told um you know, I'm too much or too extreme, 
But then on the reverse, it's um, that I'm very open and authentic and genuine and, you know, so all of a sudden, of course, that's changed in recovery now. I'm able to regulate better, but, um, like, I'll um, get into my story. Um, I wasn't always able to regulate at all. You know, there's a lot of confusion um, in my in my childhood, in my teenage years, in my 20s, all that. And so recovery has, you know, been the blessing from the curse and that, you know, I'm still able to be big just in a more regulated way. <laughs> right. And, you know, I think a lot of us mistake, um, you know, we talk about regulating our emotions as being able to feel them and expertly, but also pull back from them you know, when we need to, but I think the mistake that a lot of us make and that probably leads us into addiction and other coping behaviors that aren't so healthy is when we try to just stuff them down. And if we think exactly. that like regulating them doesn't mean sitting on them and not feeling them. It means like feeling them, but being in charge kind of, and yes. you're right. That is recovery. That's it. We're done here. <laughs> recovery. <laughs> And, and um, I know your story actually starts really, you know, pretty young that you you embarked on coping behaviors that were, you know, not safe from a pretty young age. So why don't you take us right back to let's start there and how that felt and and um, and what that led you to. OK, um, so like I mentioned, you know, before, um, like alcohol has always been present in my family and uh, my parents drank openly uh, when I was growing up. And, you know, they, my dad was a professional. Uh, my mom was, um, she stayed home with my sister and I um, after her own career for many years. And um, so they would drink, um, you know, a couple of bottles of wine a night. And it just was always there. I didn't even think anything of it. And, um, but one thing I did, I, I was always um, aware of, um, of alcohol. It's weird because even as a child, I was like hyper aware of it because um, I did know that um, I had a history of, you know, alcoholism um, in my family. I knew that my mom's side um, dealt with that. And so, um, but I just, since alcohol was so present, I just thought it was, you know, just kind of part of adult life. But um, when I, um, Okay, so so alcohol was present, and um, also, like, my parents, although, you know, they um, were present in my life and, you know, very involved in my life, um, they um, were not necessarily present emotionally for me. Uh, we were not an emotional family. We didn't say, I love you. There were no hugs. Um, there was no openness in, you know, how we were feeling or, you know, if there were arguments, things like that. Um, nothing was ever talked about. Things were just swept under the rug and we kept moving forward. And um, because I'm very sensitive, um, and I think a lot of people who have addiction issues um, do have that inside of them, a, um, a more sensitive personality or um, demeanor or like hypersensitivity, um, I didn't know what to do with it all. Um, and like we kind of said before, you know, in the extremes of, you know, 
either extreme happiness or extreme sadness. I, um, with extreme sadness, I didn't know what to do with that. And so when I was, um, when I was about 10 years old, it was the first time I, um, cut myself. I self-harmed. Um, and that was a way for me to release what I was feeling because I couldn't talk about it and be accepted for it. And I just felt like I wasn't heard or that um, my parents just didn't get me. And so that was a way for me to release what I was feeling. And I didn't get it at the time. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly shocked when I think back to it because I have a 12-year-old son now and I can't even fathom what I would do if I knew that he was doing that to himself two years ago, let alone like now. So um, it is painful to like think back to that. Um, but that's, that became my way of coping with what I was feeling. Um, and so in relation to alcohol, to bring it back to that, um, so my parents drank quite a bit and it did cause um, some problems here and there. And um, when I was 12 years old, um, there was a situation in my family that involved um, my dad being arrested and um, him being taken to jail that night. And um, and then when he came back the next day, um, we no one in the family talked about it. He, um, but I did know he had stopped drinking, and I did know that he was involved in a twelve-step program, and I also knew that my mom was still drinking and she had not um she not lessened you know her consumption of alcohol and I hated that I absolutely hated that and I was 12 I didn't really get what was going on but I knew that I hated that and um and so from that point on I sort of like I had like you know, a love-hate relationship with alcohol. That's, like, when it started at the time. At that time, I hated alcohol because, um, you know, I was too young. I didn't, like, have a personal um, relationship with alcohol yet. Um, I, knew, I knew it caused problems. I knew that I had a history of, you know, problems in my family. And so I was just, like, always hyper aware of, like, what it could do. And so in high school, uh, I didn't really... I didn't really drink that much. Uh, whenever I did drink with my friends, it was always situated around an event. You know, if we um, went to a friend's house and there was, you know, a party or something, but that was very rare. I had a great group of friends. We, um, They were my outlet because I didn't have much of one at home. Um, we'd go to shows all the time. Like, I was really into music back then. And so that's sort of what we did on our weekends. We'd go to shows and hang out like Disneyland was a big thing back then I'm I live in Orange County and so um people who I'm 34 years old so people who you know are in my age gap will get like the Disneyland reference if they're like from California like everyone I hung out like Disneyland on the weekends and we all have passes and um and yeah it was I mean alcohol was there sometimes but it wasn't um a a huge issue in my life what was a huge issue during that time was uh, was my self-harm that's when it got um very um very consistent and um I knew it was something that was 
ugly and not to be spoken of, if that makes sense. Um, I remember one time, because that's the thing, it's like I have always been pretty open and, um, you know, with friends and even family. And I remember one time I was, um, I think I was maybe 15 and, um, and I had, you know, had a bad night the night before and I had um, like self-harm. So I asked a friend um, if she had ever gone so upset that she had ever like cut herself. And she looked at me like I was crazy and said, mm-hmm. no. And I knew at that moment I was never to talk about that again because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just ugly and not to be spoken of. And so, um, so that was always something I kept very private and I would keep it hidden and it wasn't an everyday thing, but it was definitely a consistent, regular part of how I felt with what I was feeling because I felt like I wasn't understood and I couldn't express myself in um, healthier ways. And so that's sort of how I coped with that. And um, when I was 17, my parents um, found out that I was doing that and um, and their reaction, because like I said, I don't come from an emotionally open household, um, their reaction was very intense and like full of like, um, like not kindness, you know, it was, um, they were mad at me. And my mm-hmm. dad, he said, um, he said, you know, you could get an infection. And then my mom was like, you know, I don't ever want you to do that again. And the next day, um, I was in therapy. They just, they put me in therapy and, um, and I had to drive myself. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and that's when I started, um, I started medication at that point. And, um, and yeah, so that was their solution to it. put me in therapy and get me medicated. And then it was never spoken of again. And, um, so when I when I went to college, um, I no longer I did I didn't self harm anymore. It was like it was like a phase, you know. It's like once I turned eighteen and like got out of my household, um, got the freedom from my parents, then it's like that part of my life. Um, it's almost like I didn't need it anymore. I didn't need the self harm as a coping mechanism because. Um, it was very specific to my relationship with my parents. I mean, period, you know, that's um, being completely honest. Like I, um, I had a very rough like high school, like time with like that part of my life. But what did become more um, prevalent was the drinking. And, um, you know, I think it's pretty typical to go off to college, have a newfound freedom and, you know, like meet people who like that's what you do is like go out and drink but still I was um I was in a relationship with a guy at the time who didn't um drink that much and you know I tend to go along with like what people are doing who I'm hanging out with and so um so my freshman year it wasn't like that big of a deal. I mean, we'd party and stuff, but it wasn't like any sort of like a huge issue. Um, but then I started getting into, um, you know, a different group of friends um, after he and I 
broke up and um that's when my drinking really started to pick up and um and it was just partying, you know, my apartment at the time I lived in an apartment with um with another girl and our place was the place to go, you know, like people would come every single night and we drink every single night and um and it did become I mean very like maybe not every night, it was more like binge style, you know, like it's like Thursday, Friday, Saturday it would be like the big like drinking nights and um and so then I ended up getting a DUI when I was 20, and um, and since I was underage, because in in California, I, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but in in um here it's like 21, and so um, it's like at 20 I was underage, so that's why I blamed it on was that um you know I was 20 years old, and so that's why I was caught. It wasn't you know the five beers I drank like, before I drove, you know, it, it was the fact that I was 20, you know, and, uh, and but that incident, um, it really freaked me out because that thing, even when I was like drinking a lot, like during that time, I, I felt like it was just sort of like a phase of like, oh, this is my party phase, you know, this is fun. It's like, um, you know, just drinking with friends. But after the DUI, it's, freaked me out and I was like, oh my gosh, this could this could be a problem, you know, especially because like my family's history with it. And so um so I did continue drinking for a couple months after that because it was right before my twenty first birthday. So I turned twenty one, but it's like the fun was sort of gone from it because I the experience you know, spending a night in jail when you're 20, you know, it's like, you know, it freaks me out. And so, um, so I had actually been like court ordered to, um, a 12 step program. So I didn't get that at all. Like I showed up at the first thing, I was like, what is this? And I literally was just there to get a court card signed. But, um, but I did start like, because also during that time I was studying Buddhism so I started like just like thinking about my life and just like God, is this is this what I want? You know, like can I can I do life without alcohol, without a substance? You know, and, um, and so I decided um, to stop drinking. And this was um, I, you know, it was a few months after my twenty first birthday, and my sister and I were actually going to Europe that summer for a six week like backpacking trip through Europe. And I decided a couple of weeks before that trip to stop drinking. And I decided I was not going to drink in Europe. And I, that was my thing. It's like if I could get through six weeks in Europe without alcohol, that means I don't have a problem with it and that I don't need <laughs> to socialize. I don't need it in my life. I'm fine, you know. And so um, so I did quit drinking. I did go to Europe with my sister, and I didn't drink and it was fantastic I mean it was like hard at times but um but I felt like good about it you know I felt really strong and proud of myself especially you know in Germany when they have the huge beer signs and they're all cheering with them and I have my little cup of um you know English breakfast tea and all the Germans don't understand why I don't drink and but it was funny it's like I felt like good about it you know I was like yeah that's right I don't drink because I don't need it you know and um so I got back from Europe and um and 
I was with a guy at the time. I had been dating a guy um, who had also stopped drinking with me because um, that summer, like, we had been, like, dating um, when I got my DUI. And um, I tried, like, breaking up with him, like, after um, I decided to quit drinking. And he's like, no, no, like, I want you in my life, so I'll stop drinking too. And so I was with that guy um, still when I came back from Europe. And so two weeks after I got back from Europe, um, I found out I was pregnant and with this um, guy who I'd been dating. And um, and my world turned upside down. It's like I was 21 years old. I was taking 18 years in school. I was working. I, you know, had like an apartment. You know, I just – it was – not in my life plan to um to get pregnant at that time and um and before I could even think clearly as to like what choice I should make about that um my mom found out and um she immediately pushed marriage and all that on me and um and you know being the codependent people pleaser that I am I just went along with it all and um and I didn't want it but I didn't know what I wanted and I was scared and um and yeah so five months later I was married to a man you know I didn't even know that well um in a wedding that my mother planned for me. I had nothing to do with it. I literally just showed up the morning of my wedding and um, in a dress that my sister, like a maternity dress that my sister got for me online. Like literally I had nothing <laughs> to do with my wedding. And, um, and yeah, then I was married, you know. And, um, and it's sort of, it's, uh, then um, I, that became my identity, you know, that was my new thing. It's like, okay, I'll be a mom and a wife now, you know. And, um, and so I had my son and um, and I, I was so overwhelmed. Like that time is still just sort of blurry to me. Um, I switched because at that time, of course, I, I was not – drinking still because I'd been pregnant and um and I you know had started like nursing and stuff and so after like my son was born my husband and I uh, he's now my ex-husband but at the time we were like okay adults drink we're adults we're married and have a kid we can drink you know and so then alcohol like entered our relationship again but in a very different way because all of a sudden we were completely different than how we were, you know, a year or, you know, over a year before when, you know, we were like partying and drinking together before I went to Europe, you know. And, um, so it was like, and this is going to like, the listeners are going to think I'm crazy, but I really am like sort of naive with things and I never had wine before. I mean, I had like, had glasses of wine in the past, but I never bought a bottle of wine for myself. Like, because like, I mean, I still was like, I think I was 22 at that point. So mm-hmm. one night, I was like, oh, I'll buy us like a bottle of wine, and uh, or I bought like two bottles, and because um, I literally didn't know 
what like how much wine a person could have without feeling drunk because I always drink beer like before like beer like shots or whatever like in college and so my husband and I we have like a date night and we like you know bust open the wine oh my gosh we got like it was like we got so drunk because we didn't like we hadn't like done that but we're like I don't know so that was just like something like oh whoa wait, we still have to, like, regulate this, you know, because we could actually, like, get very intoxicated drinking two bottles of wine. We, like, literally, like, I don't know, it was, like, one of those things, like, oh, let's be adults. Oh, wait, we can't be, like, you know, that's actually not normal. And then it, like, made me think of, like, back to my parents who used to have, like, two bottles of wine a night, and I thought that was completely normal, you know, um, when I was a child. And so, um, but anyways, so I was married, um, Okay, oh, wait, so bringing back to addiction. So, like, during that time, even though, like, we brought alcohol, like, back, like, into our relationship and into our marriage, it really wasn't, like, there that much. You know, we were both busy. He worked all the time. I was in school still. I was finishing up school. And actually, like, during that time, I transferred my addiction again, you know, because I do, like, you know, like, before I went from, like, self-harm to, like, alcohol and, like, that kind of stuff. So my new addiction became, um, and this is going to, like, sound a little bizarre, but, like, health. Like, that became, like, my new, I was, like, obsessed with health, you know. I, was obsessed I think that's with, like, so common. What, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, of what, like, I ate, how much I mm-hmm. exercised. Like, I would mm-hmm. get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, do an hour of yoga, and then I'd take my son on, like, an hour-long stroller walk, and then I ate, like, totally vegetarian my poor ex-husband had to like at least I cooked like good family meals but I and that's the thing since I was vegetarian at the time I knew I had to like go all out with cooking or else he like wouldn't eat it or enjoy it and so (laughs) I like cooked extravagant meals and I was super like obsessed with like this like healthy lifestyle you know and um so then um and you know and alcohol is always like sort of there but it was just like my husband and I would just sort of like maybe drink on the weekends and we were very like I don't know we just like were sort of like just trying to do life you know during that time and so then um then I went back to school um around like I went and um got a teaching credential and I was like you know kind of overwhelmed with that and um there was drinking but not it just like wasn't like that big of a deal but then um then when my when my younger son was born, um, he there's a four and a half year age gap between my older and my younger son. When he was born, um, oh actually, oh sorry, rewind. I transferred the health addiction to um, a raging eating disorder. I forgot I left that part out. Um, during the <laughs> yeah. And see, that's the thing. It's like I really do. I like sometimes I just like forget these like things of like, Oh wait, even though alcohol wasn't that present, I, it was because I had these other like things in my life. And so um, when I was um, going through my teacher credential program and my husband was like working all the time at a little toddler at home, I was in school, I was like student teaching, all this stuff. um, My coping um, became an eating disorder and I had, um, a really like severe um, eating disorder for um, I would say about two years in my twenties um, to deal with that, and um, and that's 
the Howie Cubs and I also kept that very private. No one knew about it. I did not tell my husband. I did not tell my parents. I did not tell anybody because um, especially with bulimia, I feel like it's, it has a yuck factor that people mm-hmm. don't want it. Like people don't understand, don't want it. Like they don't know mm-hmm. how to react to that. Just like, you know, self-harm had a yuck factor. Um, mm-hmm. And so so no, it's interesting like, too that like it's like you're afraid to tell someone because you don't want them to take it away from you because it's your coping mechanism and it's what makes things work, you know, even though you kind of want some help stopping. Like, was there a part of you that didn't tell because you didn't want anyone to tell you to stop? Um, I think it was more just like an embarrassment, like, because uh-huh. it's like I am like, I am really open about stuff. And one night, like, I did end up telling my husband one night, and he didn't even know what to do about it. You know, he was just like, what? You know? But it's just like, I was like, kind of like screaming and begging for help, you know? But it's like, I didn't know what to do. I, you know, I went from like emotionally distant parents to an emotionally distant husband who like didn't know how to deal with me. And, um, so I felt like really alone and embarrassed and ashamed and I didn't know how to fix it yet. Like I'm such a control freak that like, I felt like I had to figure it out on my own and I didn't want it in my life. And I knew I was like sick and I knew I needed to get better. And so my way of kind of solving the problem, um, cause I didn't really want another child, um, and because having my older son was so overwhelming to me and so stressful that, like, I, like, it was, like, borderline traumatizing during that time. So I couldn't imagine, like, having another child. And so, um, and don't get me wrong, I, you know, absolutely, like, love my boys. But um, but honestly, like, during that time, um, like, because my, my ex-husband did sort of want another child, and I was, like, sort of on the fence. But honestly, I thought... Um, and this is something I'm, like, kind of just realizing, like, now in my life. I thought, like, having my son would be a way out of my eating disorder because I knew that if I was pregnant, I wouldn't throw up anymore because it would mm-hmm. hurt the baby. And um, And it did. That was my way out. And so it's, like, crazy because it's, like, I feel like my older son was my way out of, like, alcohol addiction at that time in my life. Obviously, my alcohol addiction came back later. But so my older son was sort of what saved me at that point in my life because it very well could have gone downhill quickly at that point. Um, And my younger son was my way out of my eating disorder. And I know that – I don't know how that sounds. but, But, yeah, that's just sort of, like, what happened? So yeah, so I had my um, my younger son, and um, and two months after he was born, I I started grad school, and looking back, that was an insane choice. Um, <laughs> but because I was always looking for distraction and ways to um, you know, like distract and like throw myself into things that like you know like enabled me not to like really deal with myself or with my life and that was it so then it became school you know and um and I so basically like my 
20s were like babies disordered eating and school (laughs) (laughs) myself and um and so then um so then my um after grad school um I decided to um to end my marriage and um and I was like really unhappy in my marriage I was always like I you know I've suffered from depression um from you know, the time I was, like, a teenager, you know, and, um, and my marriage, like, you know, I was really unhappy in it, and honestly, it wasn't necessarily because of, like, my husband or anything he was doing, per se, um, it was just me, I so didn't know myself, and, um, and I just, like, figured that was, like, a way out of my depression, was to end my marriage and to, like, start, like, a new life like me doing what I want to do or, you know, like, um, like, you know, cause I knew, cause we got married so young and I knew it's like, I sort of knew I wasn't going to be with him forever. So I sort of like, I had reached this crossroads. It's like, okay, what do I do? Do I end the marriage now or just wait till my younger son turns 18? You know, so I, I made the choice to end it and start like living my life, you know? And, um, and I really thought that would, um, solve my problems, but, um, it didn't at all, and, um, the divorce, it was, um, it was difficult, and, I mean, of course, like, the listeners will understand anyone who's gone through a divorce is, um, even if you want it, it doesn't mean it's pretty, and so, um, and that, like, when I, because my ex-husband did not want to get divorced absolutely not and he was livid with me and he um hated what I was doing to the family and to the kids and um and I was still after like I made the decision to leave the marriage we were still living in the same house for a couple months before I moved out and that was terrible that was a really hard time and um and I really amped up the drinking and he did too we and we would drink together you know it was oh my goodness it was just it was the way we were dealing with it and um I drank a lot during those months and I just figured it was that was definitely my way of coping with what was happening during Mm -hmm. that time it living in a house with a man who hated me um, and trying to be, like, strong not to, like, go through with it, you know. So finally, um, finally I moved out, you know, after a couple months. And, um, and yeah, once again, it's just, like, things flipped upside down. All of a sudden, because our custody is one week on, one week off, and so it's, like, you know, right down the line, 50-50. And so all of a sudden a week at a time I was by myself and I never had that before because I was always with somebody, you know, whether it was living at home with my parents or living in the dorm with my roommates or living in an apartment with my friend or being married for seven and a half years. I was never by myself. I mean, 
of course, I had moments of being alone, but um, and I loved those moments, but I'd never, like, really been on my own before. And um, and so, you know, instead of, um, you know, trying to figure out who I was alone, um, I got right into a relationship with someone, and um, which ended up, it turned into, like, a long-term relationship. We were together about two and a half years. It was very emotionally toxic. It was like the highs were high, the lows were low, like that sort of relationship. And um, and I was head over heels for this guy, and um, and I hadn't experienced that in my marriage. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is what you know you go through in like a loving relationship. These like highs and lows, and this is like what it means to be like with somebody. But it so wasn't. And um, and during that time is when um, when I realized that like my relationship with alcohol was much different than it used to be because I was coming home from work and I was having um, you know a glass of wine at night to cope with my day because oh that's another thing like when I was going through the divorce I started working full-time like in my current career which is um I, I'm a paralegal and so I was working full-time at a law firm which was you know busy and you know high stress and um and I was new to the legal field so I had to learn that and I was going through divorce I was dealing with the custody I was dealing with this new relationship I um I was like literally having a breakdown without knowing I was having a breakdown, you know. And, um, and so, I'm fine. Everything's okay. Yeah. Look how great I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, and so that's when um, that's when I really realized that like alcohol was um, I was using it to like cope with this stuff and the in, the intense way that I was using alcohol during like the couple months that like. I was still living with my ex-husband. It wasn't to that extreme again. I'd, like, mellowed that out. But then all of a sudden, yeah, it was like I'd come home and, like, you know, have wine. But that's when I started noticing that, like, I I didn't have, like, an off switch. And I know not before. Like, I was always, like, hyper aware, like I said earlier, of, like, my relationship with alcohol. Like, I I. I knew from a young age, like, I didn't really have an off switch. I knew I drank differently from, like, my friends. But it wasn't so different that it was concerning um, because everyone was just sort of drinking. But I knew that, like, even though I felt, like, you know, intoxicated and I, like, felt like, you know, I'd had enough to drink, I just couldn't quite, like, stop drinking. You know, it's just, like, there, was, there wasn't there was an off switch there. And so, um, so I noticed that more, like, um in my relationship with this guy and because it was like, you know, quickly becoming like really emotionally toxic, um, I was starting to use alcohol more in that, you know, um, and I started being secretive with it. That's like when I started to become um, more like isolating and secretive with my drinking. It's like when I was with him, when I was with um, like my boyfriend at the time, you know, we would drink like quote unquote normally you know we'd maybe split a bottle of wine or like when we go out to dinner we'd have a couple of glasses whatever but at when I was alone I would like drink a bottle you know and it was like I 
like I knew that wasn't necessarily okay, but I was alone and no one saw me do it. So I justified it as being okay for me, you know? And, um, and so after, um, after that guy and I broke up, um, instead, once again, instead of taking the, you know, much needed time to, um, take care of myself and to figure out who I was and to like heal these parts of me that I'd never even like really looked at before. Um, I, I started dating. I like, I call it now my dating extravaganza. You know, I just like went nuts, you know, I was just like, I was out all the time. just like dating going out. And, um, and the thing is like, like I was also starting to like, like I felt like develop these different identities, you know, it's like I had my work identity where I was like professional and, um, you know, getting raises and doing really well and, um, getting, um, you know, little promotions and things like that. And like, everything was like really put together in my work life. And then I had, um, my identity as a mother, you know, the weeks that I had my boys, I, you know, was taking them to baseball and we'd be, um, going out for yogurt and going to the park and all this, you know, and then, um, then, you know, my identity of like being a single woman on my own as like dating, going out and things like that. So it's like, I felt like I had like these like split personalities almost, you know, I was like Uh able to like go to these different identities or whatever. And, um, and so, the identity that was, like, really, like, causing the problems was, like, the single identity of, like, what do I do with myself at this time, you know? And um, I was always very uncomfortable being with myself, like, being alone with myself. Even though I – it's weird because I'm naturally an introvert, and I mm-hmm. like um, having that time for myself, but I didn't know what to – do with it like I couldn't sit with myself and so mm-hmm. I would just like distract and go out and like men were everywhere and um and I don't like it just like it went from like drinking like like you know somewhat regularly to like drinking every single night because that's like like, if I wasn't going out, then I was um, at home drinking. And um, and and I would, like, I just started isolating more. Like, when, when I noticed, because I did start spiraling quickly. And with me, it does happen quickly. You know, it happened, like, back when I was 21. It happened um, very quickly in the spiral. Like, once I start drinking regularly, it's like... I don't stop, you know, and, um, and so what happened was, um, I just like started spiraling with it. And, um, instead of, I mean, they, you know, you hear people say it no longer becomes like fun. It's like, it wasn't even really fun during that time. <laughs> it's like, that's just like what I did. And it was like, 
it was nice in the sense that, like, I got out of my head when I drank. Because that's the thing. I've always been, like, kind of, like, hyper self-aware. And mm-hmm. my mind has always been, like, very chatty. And um, even from a young age, it's, like, you know, I, like, would turn off my mind, like, with self-harm. Or I'd turn off my mind with, um, with the disordered eating or, you know, I'd find these ways to turn off my mind. And, um, so alcohol, that's basically like what it came down to. And, um, just a way for me to turn off my mind. And, um, and so, yeah, towards the end, um, you know, just the same things as like other people with addictions do. You try to control it. And, um, and I realized like I wasn't able to control it anymore. You know, it didn't, matter if I switched from beer to wine or to vodka tonics or whatever. It's just like I couldn't control it anymore. And um and yeah, so um and that's the thing, it wasn't like this wasn't happening every single night, but it was scary because I never knew when I'd lose control with it. You know, it's like, you know, some nights I'd be able to go out and have a glass of wine, you know? And other nights I'd go out and have like five you know it's like it's one of those things like I didn't know what night it would be you know um and that's scary as the body stops processing the alcohol then it becomes unpredictable right yeah yeah and then I was just putting myself in these really bad situations with men and um shameful stuff that like I wouldn't talk to anyone about because it became like this like isolated identity. Like I would just go out by myself and I believe like never, I've never had a problem hanging out by myself. So like, you know, I, um, I would go to a bar by myself, you know? And, um, and you know, I was seen as like the cool girl who like, you know, went to bars by herself and like had a couple of beers and like would meet people. And like, it was bad. It was just like not who I was. And it's like, and I knew it wasn't, like, it was absolutely not the person who I wanted to be. And um, and I've always, like, been striving for that. Like, even, like, back when I was, like, a teenager, I, like, had this idea of, like, who I wanted to be as a person. And, um, and I could never find that because stuff always came up, you know, whether it was, like, like, you know, social stuff or, like, alcohol or, you know, finding out I was pregnant and then trying to, like, raise a family and, like, trying to be married. It's, like, stuff always came up, so I felt like I could never, like, find, like, who I was because I was always someone else or, yeah, I was always, like, being someone else, you know, and and so... Just as you're telling your story, Kirsten, it feels like you you might have had a part of you that knew what you wanted, but you were more invested in doing what anyone else wanted, right? Whether it was what your parents wanted or drinking with the boyfriend that drank or, you know, like, who do you need me to be, right? And Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I realize now, looking back, that I was a raging codependent. I didn't even know what that was then. <laughs> looking right. back, I definitely, like, uh, that's probably my primary thing um, I'm working on in recovery is my codependency but um, I absolutely was completely unaware of that but like um, so like you know in the last like 
in the last couple months of my drinking, when I was trying to, like, control it um, in ways that I hadn't tried before, um, like, I just started, like, really, like, hating who I was. And, um, and it was scary because, like, I felt like I couldn't, like, get away from it. Um, and so, like, I tried, like, you know, these different things of, like, oh, it, like, and this is, like, literally in the last, like, couple months of my drinking. I was, like, oh, it's because I'm going out. So I'll stop going to bars, and that will, like, fix it. And so I stopped going out, but all I would do would be to isolate at home and drink. And so then it became, oh, it's guys. I have to, like, stop going out with guys because that's the problem. So then I quit dating, and then I was then just, like, isolating all the time by myself alone, and it still wasn't going away. And um, so then, like... Was it spilling over into your parenting weeks, too? Like, was it just staying contained in your week off time, or was it sort of spilling into all the compartments of your life? And that's, like, yeah, I, I hadn't mentioned that. Like, it was starting to. It hadn't really up to that point. I mean, I would, like, drink, like, when I had my kids, but it was like pretty contained, you know, or I would just stay home if I like drink too much or whatever. But it it wasn't like I wasn't like going out when I had my boys. When I had my boys I had my boys, you know, and um uh-huh. but it was it was spilling over definitely emotionally and my inability to like regulate my emotions and my uh-huh. um and it was starting to spill over into my work life. Um I was still performing but you know, you can't perform well when you're going to work hungover like all the time Mm -hmm. and um so that was really starting to scare me too because that had not really been a problem before um and it all happened really quickly and um and oh one thing really quick that I forgot to mention when I was with that guy after my divorce and that long-term relationship and alcohol was starting to become a problem, I did actually stop drinking for nine months because I saw that alcohol was a problem. And um, and I I figured the way to, like, solve the problem and save the relationship was to remove alcohol. So I was. I was, like, I removed alcohol for nine months, but I was in no sort of recovery program. I just wasn't drinking, you know, and um, – <laughs> And so after nine months, and I was still with the guy the whole time, I was like, oh, it's been nine months. I'm fine. I've got this. You know, and then um, immediately, <laughs> like, you know, once alcohol is brought in, it's like those patterns started to come up again Just right back. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I was starting to, like, I don't know, just get, like, frustrated with myself, like, hating myself, like, scared of like what I was becoming and like really terrified that like I was just like never going to change you know and um and so one morning it it wasn't like you know I'd had an average night out the night before but like one thing that was there because I had been like really trying to control things um in like the weeks leading up to this and I was going out with a friend that night 
And I kept telling myself all day at work. I was, like, prepping myself, like, okay, just two glasses of wine, just two glasses of wine. That's it. That's it. Two glasses. And I literally was prepping myself all day at work. And I was, like, I told myself, um, if I have more than two glasses of wine, I can't do this anymore. I have a problem. Like, I mean, obviously I already knew I had a problem, but, you know, I can't do this anymore. And so, um, and so that night I went out and, you know, two glasses plus probably four more later, I wouldn't even be able to tell you how many I had. Um, you know, I got, because, oh, another thing, I was a blackout drinker. Um, Mm -hmm. so I would, blackout quite often like when I drank and um and so the next morning um you know I blacked out that night I don't even remember like how I got home and um so the next morning I woke up just you know running late for work completely hungover um and I went into my bathroom and um and I just like I don't know, I guess people call it, like, a spiritual moment or whatever, but um, I just, I literally, like, threw up my hands, and I was like, I can't do this anymore, you win, meaning, like, alcohol, like, alcohol had won, and I was done, and that's what I said, I'm like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, mm-hmm. and, um, and in that moment, it's funny, because, like, I had not, you know, made a specific choice to stop drinking, and I hadn't even planned for it to happen that morning. But in that moment, I knew that my life was changing. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. knew it that that moment on, my life was different, and um, and I didn't know what to do. I um had no clue like what it was going to look like but I knew it was going to be different and um and yeah that was the last time that was over a year ago now I'm a little over a year sober and um yeah and it you know in all honesty like God took it away from me in that moment because I have not had a desire to drink since I mean I'm not gonna lie and say like you know it hasn't been difficult at times but um, but an actual desire to drink alcohol, I've not had, and I know I'm lucky because that's not typical. You know, I know that a lot of people struggle with it, and um, but I feel like up to that point, I had technically sort of been trying to get sober since you know I was like twenty. The very first yeah. time I stopped drinking that time and so that's sort of like you know I technically you know had this like decade-long experience or over a decade experience Mm -hmm. of like like kind of like getting to this point you know it wasn't like a magic thing that like turned on and off it's like I've been struggling for a long time and um and so yeah that's like like where I got to and um and how do you maintain it now? How long has it been and, and and what do you do to support your recovery now? Because even though the desire's gone, I know that you work really hard to maintain a healthy life, a healthy 
um, inner and outer life. So what's that yeah, look like? Yeah, so I started um, – so the first day, like literally the first day that I quit drinking, I knew um, – I knew this time was, like, different than, you know, how I mentioned, like, I stopped drinking a couple years before for, like, nine months. I knew this was very different than that. I knew I needed help because I didn't know how to do this. And so um, so the only thing I knew was um, the 12-step program because my dad had gone and I had been court-ordered to that program um, you know, when I got my DUI. And so um, that night I looked up, uh, I, you know, I got home from work, I looked up a meeting and I went. And um, and it was a book study meeting. And so, um, you know, and it was just a bunch of guys. I was like the only girl there. And I mean, it, <laughs> it wasn't just like a male meeting. It was an open meeting. <laughs> but like, I happened to be the only girl there. And everyone was like really nice and stuff. But, um, and I... It's kind of funny because, like, I I knew from the start that wasn't necessarily going to be my path. I mean, I didn't, like, quite know it. And, like, oh, I don't want to do this, but, like, I'm going to try it. Like, I knew I, I needed, um, a, like, a holistic, like, approach to it. I just didn't know what that looked like yet, you know. And, um, and it, like, basically I knew I needed to fill myself up with things so that I wouldn't want alcohol anymore. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I did the Chelsea program for a while, and um, it was fine, but I never really, like, went consistently because my schedule is so funny. You know, it's like I have my kids every other week, and, um, you know, I work full-time. It's hard to find, like, like I mean, and I, I know some people might think that's an excuse, but, like, I was really looking for, like, a women's meeting. I just could not find one that, like, worked with my schedule, you know. And, um, and so, plus, I wasn't really resonating with it. And um, so what I did, like, what I did, like, first and foremost, like, when I got sober, I had this, like, frenetic energy. <laughs> it's like, it's almost, like, manic, you know. It's like, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, what do I do, you know. And, um, so I started, like, like, moving my body because that's, like, my go-to thing to, like, relieve, like, anxiety. And so, you know, I started, like, exercising again. I'd always been, like, pretty, like, healthy. I, like, you know, ate healthy and, like, did exercise. And I do want to mention that, like, when I started, like, really spiraling with my alcohol, all that stuff was going out the window. Um, I no longer, like, was able to maintain a healthy diet. I no longer could exercise. And I think that was a difference from when alcohol was in my life in a more managed way, like, during my marriage and during, um, you know, that, like, those other periods of my life. Because I had those other things in my life that, like, I still had other things. But, like, when it started to, like, spiral, it's, like, the only thing, the only tool I had was alcohol. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, oh, totally. So, you like, just get blinders yeah. to everything else. Yeah. I, yeah. And I so, completely understand that. Yeah. And so I started, like, bringing that stuff back in, sort of my go-to yeah. stuff that I knew would make me feel better. So I knew exercise would make me feel better. Um, I knew eating healthy. So it's like right away I started like eating healthy again and exercising, but not in an obsessive way as I did in the past, just in a way to like 
like get myself going, you know, and um, and then I just started like immersing myself in um the recovery community, you know, it's um, I really started delving into like online resources and um. Funny and it's sort of funny because like I almost wish that I wrote this stuff down. Like, what did that look like during that time? Because it's almost like I was in like a brownout or something. It's like I was in like a sober stupor or something. It's like I don't even remember that time. It's like (laughs) it's like like, we're numbing with other things, numbing with information, numbing with yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just really, like, figuring out, like, oh, my God. And so I do know Which, that. Which, by the way, is totally okay, right? That's yeah. totally great. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> and, of course, I still had um, my time with my kids. You know, then all of a sudden I was, like, very present with my kids. You know, I was no yeah. longer, like, I don't know, which was good, but also not good because I was just, like, oh, my God, like, this is different, you know, and, um. And, you know, but I still have the distractions, like, you know, baseball and stuff like that. But, um, and so, um, oh, and I did, like, something I will mention is um, I quit men when I quit alcohol. I had to do that or else I knew I wouldn't be able to maintain my sobriety in in any sort of, like, way that was good for me. And so, um, yeah, so I quit dating. I quit alcohol. I just was focusing on how to get healthy again, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. like, so get just, like, more very introspective and that yeah, on yeah. You. Actually, that, that's a recommendation that you often hear people say, like, don't date during your first year of sobriety if you're single um, or married. <laughs> don't, you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> uh, like, don't bring anything major and new into your life. Just hunker down and take care of what you have at that point. Yeah. Um, so and that I you will can say, I mean, I did start, like, dating a bit here and there, but yes, I would advise anybody to just, especially if you have those codependent tendencies, mm-hmm. to remove that because you really cannot figure yourself out if, in my opinion, if a guy is in your life, unless you're married to him, then obviously in my, <laughs> there's a way that you have to, like, find yourself in the marriage like when you're getting sober but I <laughs> did not have that experience and I will tell you Jean like like I don't think I would necessarily have gotten sober if I was still married and I don't know what that would have looked like because honestly I didn't feel the need to get sober when I was married because like it was very sort of um it was for control I just it's really when I'm left up to my own devices is when I get myself in trouble and when I mm. no longer had the marriage when I no longer had the boyfriend like when I was just kind of dating and on my own and doing my thing that's when I lost it I lost it because I since I didn't know who I was Right. It's like let alcohol become who I was, and it's just like that's right. how I numbed out trying to like figure out who the hell I was, you know, because I did not know. And so and that, um, that comes back to that codependence piece that you're talking about, right? Where, which for codependence sure. yeah. means that we just we define ourselves by how others see us, and yeah. we don't we don't care what we think. We only care what others think. So. I'm yeah. whoever you need me to be. And um, like you say, and then when you are alone, 
you don't know what to do with yourself because there's no one telling you who to be or what to do. And that void is really terrifying. So we just only have a couple minutes left. And so I'm curious to know what's in your toolbox now that helps you navigate those. What's, what is your recovery strategy, you know, in, in four minutes or less, what are some of the things that are (laughs) the most useful things in your life right now? So I feel like right now is um, connecting with women, with other sober women in recovery. And I found um, some really wonderful connections um, through, um, I actually found them through like the online community. You know, I um, went on that retreat to Mexico that was wonderful. And um, Mm -hmm. I was able to get connected, you know, by people to, so like, local people in my community. And so I've um, built up, like, some really solid friendships, um, some people who I can really trust with loving me for who I am. And um, and then also just I call it moving my body. I don't even call it exercise or anything because um, that starts to put, like, you know, ideas of having, like, like, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. You know, it's like I just have to move my body. So whether that's like hiking or yoga or walking or anything, so moving my body. And then um, I have a, a meditation practice um, and specific, like, breathing exercises. That's um, been huge in um, being able to regulate my emotions um, because I do have those extremes of, like, one end or the other. Um, and so that's been very, very helpful in regulating that and um, getting quiet um, with myself because that's something I've always struggled with is getting quiet and, like, listening to, like, what I actually like and what is true for me, you know, not what other people think I should be doing, but what's real and good for me. And um and just at books, I read a lot of books. I listen to a ton of podcasts. Um, I, You know, the time I have with my kids is now amazing. Um, my relationship with them has changed, like, exponentially. You know, we still do the same stuff. I'm still the same mom, but I'm just present, and I'm, you know, with them. And, um, yeah, the relationship with them and just um, prayer. You know, I pray and have a spiritual life that I never had before. I was raised Catholic and, um, you know, that's no longer a part of my life, but I do have a very strong relationship with, um, with God and, um, just, um, yeah, just doing things that like fill my heart with joy, you know, just, um, doing what feels right for me. And, um, and that looks different for everybody, you know, just like how everybody's, uh, you know how like everyone's relationship with alcohol is on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone's mm-hmm. recovery is on the spectrum too, and so right. yeah. not one recovery path is right for a certain person. So I've basically I've spent this year finding what works for me, and I just do those things consistently. I call them my non-negotiables, and that um, has helped me maintain um, this really wonderful life that I built for myself. And I'm happy to say it's really simple, too. It's like um, I just have this really simple, like, meaningful life that I've built for myself that works for me and works for my kids. And um, 
And I'm really, like, genuinely happy for the first time in my life. And that's not an exaggeration. Like, literally my life, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. That's perfect. That is so perfect. It came from my recovery. And it was removing alcohol and being able to, like, find myself without the distractions. So, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Non-negotiables. Well, we've run out of time, but that leaves us ending on a perfect note that, um, I mean, I want to say it's your happy ending, but it's not the ending. It's a happy beginning of the next, you know, the rest of your life. So exactly. Um, Thank you so much for your openness and your honesty and um, for just for being you and for sharing that with us. Thank you so much, Kirsten. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, um, and yeah, I hope that it's helped some people. And, um, and yeah, I just, I'm really happy that I'm able to be here. Yeah, me too. Me too. So listeners, if you um, heard something today and you want to get a message to Kirsten to express your thanks or just, you know, anything that you want to share with her, um, email it to me at uh, thebubblehour at gmail.com. I'll make sure and pass it along to Kirsten for you. Um, you can also email me if you would like to be on this show or would like to have me read something that you've written on the show. Again, that's thebubblehour at gmail.com. And you can learn more about us at thebubblehour.com. And, um, yeah, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. And don't forget to stop by and visit my blog, which is unpickledblog.com. So, uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening, and please take good care. I own it. I did that. Not proud, but that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little not looking for excuses. I just want to be free from power. Weakness head on me. In a dark corner is where shame lies behind. We think you're strong just cause you keep it on the side. It just stays and wait there. Rob you of your pride Turn the light on, turn the light on You can shine When you see oh, I did that Now proud that that was me And when I face it I take that A little dignity I'm not a looking for excuses I just want to be free Oh,